Hello everyone, welcome back to the PJ Show. I hope everyone is having a great, happy Friday. I know I am. And getting ready for this sweet Valentine's Day weekend. Ooh. <laughs> if you haven't already, make sure to follow the PJ Show Instagram, the PJ Show, which is at the PJ Show dot underscore underscore. Make sure it's two underscores at the end. Uh, also, last but not least, happy Black History Month. Please remember and keep in mind that Black history shouldn't only be appreciated this month, but throughout the entire 365, sometimes 64 days throughout the year. All right. All right. So, y'all, let's get into today's topic. I'm really excited. I'm really happy. I got a lot of energy today. And, well, today's topic is about dialects, AAVE, also known as African American Vernacular English and Code Switching. And today I will have two special guests, two wonderful black women on here, and we'll be discussing those terms and how they intertwine into our lives. But today I want to get into just these like words and definitions so people know, you know, what we're talking about if you don't know already. So dialects. Dialects is a particular form of language to a specific uh, region or social group. And dialects is broken down into regional, ethnic, and that's what we kind of gonna get into with the AAVE, socialic, and accents, right? And so what is AAVE? It's this new term that popped up, especially on social media with TikTok and Instagram, all, all that stuff of, you know, different non-black people and white people using AAVE to a please to um a please to this larger audience, you know, cultural appropriation. We're gonna get into that later. We're gonna get into that. But AAVE, the definition of that is it's known as black English vernacular or like a vernacular black English among social linguistic linguist social uh linguists. I I can't say words. But anyway, and commonly called Ebonics outside of the academic community. And Ebonics is basically American Black English, right? And then the last uh, definition that we have is code switching. And code switching, we all know, is pretty much being able to switch up languages depending on the setting, environment, or group of, groups of individuals that you're surrounded by. So, for example, uh, I may talk one way with my, I don't know, with my mom versus how I will talk another way with friends. That's a simple one. I just got a notification. But anyway, yeah. So what does this mean? And what we're going to talk about it. First, we're going to have um, one of my special friends come up. She's going to introduce herself and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. So this is my friend, Phoenix. Phoenix, like you can go ahead and introduce yourself here on the PJ Show. Okay. Hello, everybody. My name is Phoenix. And Patricia is my best Judy and everything. <laughs> I'm 20. I attend the University of Illinois at Chicago online. <laughs> and yeah. What you majoring like, in? Business. I want to do business, get my degree, and then go to cosmetology school. 
That's my girl, y'all. That's my girl. Like she see it. So let's get into this, the topic on vernacular, dialects, AAVE, code switch, and all of that. So the first question I want to ask you is how has like vernacular dialect, you know, the way we communicate with each other change over time? Like what have you seen over time since the little 20 years you've been living? Well, and we can speak like in a general a, sense. Because you talk about like my lifetime, but I was going to say like a lot of the time, especially like in the black power movement, certain words and phrases and slangs actually like meant something important. You know, when we just walk around calling each other sis, that's not necessarily like revolutionary or important, but different words that we do say to each other can have powerful meaning behind them. Mm-hmm. So you feel like now, so pretty much what you're saying is like now you think the changing of the way we speak over now hasn't been as serious as it was before is what you're trying to say? Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so, and you then you gave an example too with the whole sis thing, all right. So my next question to you is, I know I was talking about AAVE, which is African-American vernacular English, also known as black, um, black English vernacular or vernacular black English. How, how does it become a problem? Because, you know, recently it's been non-black people and white people using it. How has it become a problem when non-blacks and white people use it? Or do you even think it's a problem at all? Like, what are your thoughts on that? feel like it's kind of back and forth because there are some people that are not black who don't mean no harm you know it's what's trending and obviously what's trending is usually what's black you know Mm -hmm. so it's just them trying to follow the trend and not necessarily knowing what they're doing and just trying to run with the crowd yeah. Obviously, if I'm in class and I hear somebody using certain words, it does take it does take it take me aback a little bit because I'm like, okay, like who are you trying to impress? You know, like you know, it, it just comes off as kind of weird. Like why why are you talking like that? But at the same time, you know, I know that I can let my guard down a little bit because. I can be comfortable and say things that I want to say to them and they'll understand and not look at me like I'm crazy or ghetto because I'm not speaking the Queen's English or something. <laughs> like, they, it, it, it's, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of back and forth. Yeah, I feel you. I think, personally, for me, when it becomes a problem, oh, just like, well, when it becomes a problem in general, I think, for me, is when... When you don't know the history behind something or you just, you like you say, following the trend. For one, they following a trend that's not necessarily theirs. That's the problem for me. It's the exact same thing when Kim Kardashian had them braids in her hair. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, you know, who is this white lady with these cornrows? You don't even know <laughs> what this is supposed to represent. But at the same time, somebody can say, well, you know, she means no harm, but when you do, especially as a celebrity, and you have people who look up to you, and, you know, they're willing to do the things that you do and wear the things that you like to wear, 
it becomes a little bit of a problem because you're not just any old person. You are an influencer, and you want to influence people to be ignorant, and that's a problem. Exactly. And when you saying that, that made me think about cultural appropriation. And this is culture appropriating sometimes in some contexts when I think non-blacks and white people use AAVE or certain dialects that black people use because for one, they're being ignorant and they don't know, you know, they don't know the history because how are you going to try to use, how, how are you going to try to talk like us? My problem is, how are you going to try to talk about us? I mean, talk like us now, but you know, look at us in class. Because these same people that be on TikTok and be saying sis, sis, sis when we in the classroom or when we outside amongst majority white folks, then it's like they looking at you like, mm, why are you talking like that? Why are you want to give you the side out? When it's like, no, honey, have that same energy. Or at least know, like, yeah. and not even have that same energy. At least know, like, this is the history behind it. You excluded us for talking like this, but now you're using it for entertainment, personal gain. That that's a problem to me in itself, like and something that we need to change and something like okay, this going into my third question, right? How was a well, before you go on uh-huh. before you go on about like the appropriation of everything, when I first was thinking about it, I was definitely thinking like, you know, first grade, you in English class, your teacher tell you not to put ain't, don't, don't put none of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, it, you know, you want to be, teachers always tell you, you want to be professional. Exactly. You know, the way that your native tongue is not professional. It's the same thing when people say, you know, you wearing your natural hair is not professional. How come this is professional and this is not professional? How come I can't articulate the way that I speak in my writing when that's how I usually, you know, this is how I usually speak. I'm not allowed to articulate that in my writing. I have to sound like somebody else to be considered professional or even taken seriously. It's the exact same thing mm-hmm. with people wearing their natural hair, dreads, or afros in a professional state or their jobs or whatever. It's like, okay, because my hair is curly, I'm, I'm a distraction. Mm. But my white counterparts can come in here with a messy bun. That makes no sense. I wouldn't wear my bonnet to work. <laughs> Y'all hear it? <laughs> no. It take a long time to get together. It do. So, it do. It's not, it's not wild and barbaric. It's not Yeah, it's who you are. And that was making me go into my, my other question, like how is AAVE, African-American vernacular English again, if y'all don't know, used when you were in like in younger schools, you were just saying like, don't say ain't in your writing or when you talking in school. I know for me, girl, when I was, I went to, you know, a little charter school, especially in middle school, and they had a whole thing of act smart and this whole standard vernacular English, I forgot the exact acronym. No, it was called save it. That's what it was called. And that was pretty much, exactly, and that was pretty much like trying to standardize and make us all, I think in a way, whitewash to this is how you have to talk in order for you to be, like you said, taken serious in the professional settings. And I'll be thinking about that, like, now, you know, as I'm getting older and I'm starting to see more people my age, even older, talking in slang and doing all this, like, hmm, the ghetto. (laughs) 
the ghetto. It, it's a, it's what people, I feel like what people don't understand is like, okay, I'm not saying that those things are correct. You know, I don't think people should change who they are and everything. But at the same time, come on now, you know what type of world we live in. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to do something about it, you got to sit with them at the table, you know, do what they do so that you can be able to be at the top and make those certain judgments. Other than that, you know, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. Explain, like, what do you mean by that? Like, explain that a little bit. Because, how can I explain it? Like, okay, if you're just on the outside screaming in, people are not going to want to listen to you. But if you're already in, you know, like a business or whatever, and you have power and you work your way up the ladder, you now have the power to fix what you want to be fixed. You know, if you're a CEO of a company, you could say, hey, y'all can wear whatever kind of hair y'all want because I have the power to do that now. But if you're at the bottom of the food chain in that business, your power is not important. You know, you got to... I hate to say it, but it's like, you got to play the rules to change the rules type of thing. Yeah, you got to play by the book. Fake it till you make it is what you're saying. Even though white people don't. Okay. <sighs> That's a whole nother we story. Not, we, it's the thing. It's like, <laughs> okay, black people always feel like, we want this, we want this, we want this. It's like, baby, at the end of the day, we're not white. We're black. We know what rule book we going, going to abide by. And it's not the same one that other races go by. Mm-hmm. Not saying that that's okay, but you have to work up the ladder to be able to change it. And stuff has changed. Even at our school, you know, we was able to do different things with our hair and our tattoos and stuff because somebody who was, wasn't was she like a black woman? Yeah, she she For was. Noble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, she worked her way up the ladder and was able to change stuff for us in our little school. She didn't have to do that, but she said, "You know what? Let me take time out for these for these children, <laughs> so that they can express themselves in school." So, so with that being said, like this is my my final question for you: Do you feel that A A V E the way that we talk, Ebonics, all of that, will be more socially accepted in more public spaces in the future? And if so, you know, how? How would that look like? What does that look like? I feel like, yes, because the way that we talk is just like everything else, you know, our music, our clothes, our food. It's who we are, you know, white people get surgery to look a little bit more black with big butts, big lips, everything. Like, people want to wear cornrows. They want to wear... Yeah, I mean, like... we wear. I mean, like, the way we talk, though. I mean, like, the way in which we talk. It's just a matter of time because they already copy everything else. So, this is just added to the list. And, like, what do you feel about, like... I don't know. I feel mixed ways. But it's, like, at the same time... I feel mixed ways. Is this like, oh no? 
it feel like we can't have nothing to ourselves. <laughs> like, no, seriously. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, we can't have nothing to ourselves, but at the same time, it, it is comforting that, you know, at a certain level, you are accepting. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I want acceptance. I don't want you to copy. Uh, I don't want, like, overly... That's I don't know. I feel like in society now, we still need to balance that sort of thing. Like, we need to find a... Well, not we. Them. <laughs> they need to find a balance. And we need to stop trying to invite everybody to the cookout. <laughs> just because she being a basic human being. Everybody that's not black, bro. Mexican people, Mexican people can get down, you know. <laughs> they right next door. They right next door. You're right. They are. But I'm just saying, certain, like. That's the thing. It's like certain things I will let slide with other minorities that I just will not slide with white people. Yeah. Like if a Mexican came up to me and was like, you know, hey, sis, whatever, I, I'd be like, okay, cool. Somebody who does white said that to me, I would definitely be looking at them like, where are you from? You know, like, who is this person? And you want to know something? Even like, um, like some white people will say, oh, well, I grew up predominantly around black folks and this and that. Or I, I don't know, my auntie or something like that. And say like, this is the way I talk. This is the way I grew up. How do you feel about those people? This is my final question, by the way. As soon as she said that I was like girlfriend. <laughs> you thought about that episode on girlfriend? Friends with Your boundaries. Yeah. Um. I I don't know. I feel with in that case in that scenario. I think even still, you as a white person, you need to know your place. Just like we gotta know our place. Yeah, you gotta know yours. questions that I have for now and thank you so much for being here on the PJ show again and sharing your thoughts you will be back like I said before <laughs> uh, any final words anything no that worked out pretty fast all right all right well we have <laughs> We have uh, more people coming up on, well, another person on the PJ show for the interview. So stay tuned and let's have her up. Hey, everybody. Aminata is here to join us. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and introduce yourself and where you're from. Say your name, all that good stuff. Hey, 
Um, yes, hello everyone. My name is Aminata. Um, I'm originally from Chicago. Oh, yeah, I'm from Chicago. And currently a sophomore in college. Yeah, what, what's your major? What you studying? <laughs> um, I'm, stud I'm going to double major in education and international relations, which is basically just a concentration of Gov um, and minor in Africana studies. Oh, yes. We love an educated black queen. Yes. So let's just dive in straight into the questions. Um, so how was, how has vernacular slash dialect changed over time for you in your 20 years of living or just in general? Yeah. Um, I definitely feel like um, the middle school that I went to kind of stripped away like some of my like home and like more of the dialect that I'm familiar with. And definitely going to college is brought it back a little bit. Um, I, I feel like I went from being a bit more pacified um, to an like pacified in terms of language. So I'm like, I feel like I've never been pacified in terms of um, outside of just vernacular. But I did, I guess, like um, speaking in you know, certain ways. I don't feel like I've ever lost, um, like outside of an educational setting, have lost the, the way I guess I speak. But I'm like my vernacular or dialect, but within inside of an educational setting, depending on, especially like in middle school and high school, I definitely lost a lot of um, my normal dialect. But it's kind of come back. I guess it really just depends on like um, the setting. And just, I'm going to ask a follow up on that. So, how exactly you say you lost it in, uh, you said middle school and high school? Like, explain a little bit of that. Like, what? What made it be lost, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, well, one, they would punish us every time <laughs> yeah. we spoke in um, AAV. So that definitely kind of helped with me just not speaking in AAV. Because I feel like even when it came to me articulating my words, it's like, the ain't finna gonna just tomorrow, like store, car, certain things like that I didn't actually recognize as um, not English. Like, I saw this Twitter post the other day from another Chicagoan who goes to school out of state, and um, they were just talking about how, uh, like, their friends mock them when they say certain things like store, car, mm -hmm. um, over there, it was a couple of things, and I literally was sitting in my bed, this was like a lot yesterday, and I was repeating the words, and I was like, damn, is this how I sound? <laughs> like, it was just like, how do you say, like, wait, it's one word, um, I can't even think of it, but we, oh, water, they were talking about the way we pronounce water, and um, I was just like, what? And I don't know, there, I feel like there are so many things that, like, are made to be or to appear as AEV, when in actuality it's just... I guess more so dialect than AEV, but water, car, store. I was like, who the fuck says water? Like, that's <laughs> not really, that's not really in my language. I literally was repeating, I was making sentences. I was like, what do I normally say? Or like, do you want to go to store? Like, do you want to, like, I don't know, car? I'm a little bit iffy on, because I definitely feel like <laughs> I said it in different ways, but I'm like, like, are you about to buy a car? Like, I don't know, I feel like I say car, car, but... All the other words, I was like, dang, this is how we sound. And then code switching. I feel like code switching is so innate. Um, mm -hmm. It's like even in this interview right now, I kind of feel like I have one of my semi-interview voice. <laughs> it's, so, like, it's so innate within us. Like, I feel like this tone is different. Um, when I say certain things, I think about them a bit more than I normally would. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and with that, like going to my second question. So what is AAVE and 
how does it become a problem when non-blacks and white people use it? And when I say become a problem, you know, with social media and everything, especially during this quarantine, now everybody is like at home, mostly most teenagers or young people are around our age are on their phones, you know, posting on social media. And like, it's this thing that came up for one AAVE, uh, African-American vernacular English being a thing and, you know, uh, seeing more like videos on different black people explaining what is it to them and then this issue of white people and non-black people using it coming up and now they becoming famous and the I always think of this one thing I was just having this conversation on the last interview with Phoenix but about the whole cis and period and all that like that really derived from black women <laughs> and now you know we seeing other people using it so how does it become a problem when they use it? And what is AAVE to you? Mm-hmm. Um, AAVE to me is African-American um, vernacular English. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's definitely by subgroup. Like, I feel like within um, yes. all of the, like, black enclaves, like, around the country, I do think that, again, it's only specific to Americans. So with all of the, um, that's just my first and foremost. And then with all of the other enclaves around, like, the city, well, around the country, um, I think that within their specific group, their specific uh, or respective groups, then it kind of turns into, um, other slang words that you may use within like your black population. So within Chicago, we describe, I think a lot of things as decent. Yes. And so that's like kind of our slang in like decent or you good. I feel like just different words and stuff like that. I feel like AV and slang kind of correlate and mm-hmm. not many people across the country use slang or have um, much knowledge of slang. So it's definitely, I think an only black thing. Yeah. So then the second question, how does it become a problem when, well, do you even think it's a problem when non-black people and white people use it? You know, do you Wait, think it's a problem? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Oh, what I'm saying is like, how does it become a problem or do you even think it's a problem when black people, non-black people and white people use it, especially, you know, on social media coming up and all that good stuff? I do think it's a problem. I think just outside of the fact that we've literally been ostracized and reprimanded, um, mm-hmm. like again, like my middle school and high school, it was traumatizing being told that you can't speak in your normal dialect as if it's something wrong. So even outside of the fact that um, this country has a history of really switching how they feel about things that black people do or create, um, even without the switching and the fact that we would have been punished in a lot of ways for speaking in um, our normal dialect, I just think that it's culture appropriating. It's like the same way they can't say nigga. Like, you should hold the same way when mm-hmm. speaking in It's not that hard to speak in your normal dialect and not speaking in your normal dialect. I feel like it's just weird. Like, Yeah, why are you like, trying to be somebody like, else? Exactly. <laughs> this, yeah, of all people, you want, you want to be a nigga? Like, is that what you're choosing to do? Like, I don't know. It's very weird. And then, you know, um, going back to that, it's some, and then I, I was been seeing like different posts and just different comments of some white people or some, some non-black people being like, well, I grew up around black people and this is they part, pretty much kind of part of my community. That's all that I know. So I feel like I can say this and it gives them a right and all that good stuff. So how do you feel about those type of people? <laughs> mm. Mm. Um, again, I think Coons to the highest degree. Um, <laughs> I like really Y'all hear her? Especially when people think that they, I guess, have access to even 
grant those privileges. I think no one has access to grant those privileges. Maybe if all if black people never died and we all just had like an assembly and we all agreed collectively that this was the case and okay, sure. But considering the fact that that's just impossible, never going to happen. I just don't think that um, someone who's black in any other generation outside of all of them as a collective has a right to um, give any type of passes or think that that's okay when it's not. Yeah. And even for me, like when we were talking about AAVE, you said that it's, amongst black people is you know different depending on like if they from the city versus they from the suburbs or if they are yeah. from california versus they're from chicago versus from new york i know new york northeast people say brick outside i remember when i first got over here i was like what is that what is a brick yeah <laughs> but even you know, that came from um like new york yeah it's like not really everything is like so spread out it's like when people ask me outside of chicago you chicago slang it's kind of so I think that the same would be for people outside of this entire um, ethnic or racial group. It's really weird. Yeah, and I was explaining before, like, dialects is also this regional thing that I was just talking about. Yeah. Where you from? And then, and even in Chicago, it can, like, be trickled down to the most... Uh, smallest different uh, classifications <laughs> on you being from the South Side versus the West Side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a, you know, but that's not in like the way you talk. It's just the where you from and how you do things and, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, I mean, well, we're going to skip this question. Cause I already asked you, well, you kind of already talked about when you were in school, but if you want to actually, how was AAVE used when you were younger in school? Like you kind of talked about it a little bit of, you know, when you were in middle school and high school, but before that, like just in elementary school, when you would talk amongst friends or like your family and stuff, what type of dialect was that like? Um, I, I honestly can't even place it. I think it's just like normal speech. Like I didn't to really you, realize yeah. that it was something different until I um like went to um, went to middle school. Because I feel like even when I would talk proper as like a younger kid before like sixth grade, it was more so just like still talking it was like mm -hmm. just how i was feeling in the moment and how the speech came out but i never felt like i was code switching before coming to gary comer and then it's like okay cool now i guess i know but usually i think it's like in psychology we mirror the people that we talk to and so if i was talking to an adult i feel like of course i would kind of try to talk a bit like them but it was never like code switching that i feel like i do now like the whole identity versus like you know, these are the people and it's a certain type of level of respectability, like you said, an adult or yeah. a type of thing like that. Yeah, I, I know for me, you know, it was, um, I don't know, I don't like associating Ebonics and what you call it, AAVE with slang. Because I looked up the word slang and I'm just like, I'm not inferior to, that's not, that's not inferior talk, <laughs> you know? It's just, yeah, it's, I don't like that. I just, me personally, I don't like that association. Don't say the way I'm talking is slang. And I hate when I got, especially in college, some of the people be laughing at, like, I'm not being comical. I'm being dead serious with you. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm having a normal conversation. And I feel like when they do that, that's the laziness within them. Like, you don't want to take the time out to learn and to understand because just like with people in different countries, we're going to just take it as basic like that. And they have a certain thick accent. 
we take the time with some people to learn and understand with them. Well, not, I wouldn't even say everybody, but it's just that same, just learning and understanding and not putting that type of like stigma on them and like otherness, I don't even think that's a word, but putting them in this otherness type of box. That's how I feel like when slang, when they say like, oh, Ebonics is slang. No, it's not. I don't like to say it is because at the end of the day, people making money off of my slang, my culture, my, any, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's standard if you ask me. Agreed. But moving on to the last question. <laughs> uh, do you feel that African American vernacular English will be more socially accepted in more public spaces in the future? And if so, how? Like, how would that look like? Uh, I, mm, I definitely <laughs> think it'll be more accepted, but I feel like the problem with it being more accepted is that it kind of, I think it'll kind of lose a lot of its roots. And then mm. even with like the losing of its roots, I think that it'll be like highly appropriated. In what sense? Like, give an example. Like, the more, like, it's the same way with, like, people being on TikTok and saying, like, like, Wu Chow or something. Like, I think that now everybody is saying it. So it's not just a thing that was reserved um, for black people. I think that as it becomes more mainstream, I think that's the biggest thing, though, too. It'll become more mainstream and it'll just be commodified. Like, everything else we do, it's when it comes to literally from everything we do, <laughs> from bonnets to do reds to colored yeah. hair to colored eyelashes, it's all been commodified, so... Yeah. With acceptance and with mainstream and with it being more widespread, it'll definitely be more commodified. So then how do you think we, how can we still maintain this sort of identity and like education, educating about the history behind it? History sounds so like we in school, but that's what it is. The background, the history. How can we still maintain that? Do you think it's even possible? And if so, like how? Mm. I honestly don't know. Cause when I think about everything else um, that we've at least attempted. Welcome to diversity. So sorry. When I think about everything <laughs> else that we've attempted to um, keep, it's like we haven't been able to keep it. It's all been like taken from us and then we're just like fighting back but then like people rarely care. So I think that it, that's just the price with things being a bit more acceptable. Yeah, and then when it's not acceptable, it's completely marginalized. <laughs> so we, you think yeah. it's, it's either one or the other. You They either love you or they hate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the sad, the sad reality is that's how it's like, but I think personally just having conversations with people talking with people and letting them know you know we can't change the world i don't think no like that and this sounds really like optimistic of me saying this but for real though i think that you educating educating is can be simply through conversation you don't got to go to school get a whole degree but simply just talking to people differently different from you and saying like look this what it is Okay, it's, it's, this is trendy now, yes, but let's that's, that's go from when it wasn't, and that's kind of, let's dissect that a little bit. And now, I don't want you to have an appreciation for it. I want you to understand. I want you to learn exactly. something. Yeah, and to not use it. I, I agree. Because I think that 
Because I feel like people even with their like when people are appropriating culture, they're like, well, they're appreciating it. No, babe, you're appropriate. <laughs> you're just not doing. You're not colonizing, but you're appropriating. And and that's the same thing at this point. Colonizing and appropriating is on the same boat to me. Simply because you making money off of it. I'm not. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not. And the classes, no, and that goes into a whole nother conversation. But that whole wealth thing, that that um, what you call it, this this gap, it still emphasizes that um that's that classism gap. Because if you making money off of something that this is just a part of me growing up, and I'm not getting shit from it, then I'm gonna feel a certain type of way, and I even feel a certain type of way. That's still emphasizing this idea of taking from people, <laughs> taking. Yeah. Colonizing with them taking land. You just taking my identity at this point, motherfucker. You don't really care about me at this point for real. But um, yeah. If you gonna take something, at least learn something. I don't know. Or what what do you think about just reserving the like this is uh, this is for us and I don't know. I agree with that too, because I don't feel like I feel like every other group has their respective language. Like AAV is not is I agree. AAV to a, a larger extent is not slang. It's an entire language and it's been mm-hmm. seen as, as as such, like as a language. And so for people to I guess be appropriating that language, it's kind of confusing because I'm like so many other people have their own specific culture and their language is respected. But again, as most things when it comes to black people, black things it's not really respected. Mm. That's because it has a lot. It's a long history of just <laughs> disrespected for so Thank long. Mm-hmm. But um, with that being said, I, this is the end of this um, of this interview. And thank you so much for being here on the PJ show and talking about language. <laughs> And communicating dialects, ebonics, A A V E, y'all. Y'all learned something new today. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will have you back on. Any last words? Anything you got to say? Um, nothing else, but thank you. It's a really good platform. And hopefully, people do learn. Hopefully. Actually, Yes. So. With that being said, y'all, thank you for coming to the PJ Show. This is the end of it. Again, follow the PJ Show Instagram, which is the PJ Show dot underscore underscore. Two underscores, please. And also, happy Black History Month. I don't know. I feel like with this whole pandemic going around and then the racism stuff that was going around, you know, during the first parts of quarantine, we need to, to have some appreciation, you know, for black people. And not just for this month, but like I said, throughout the whole 365, sometimes 64 days throughout the year, okay? Okay, Mm -hmm. we are signing off on the PJ Show. All right.